I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni. Part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. This week we're talking about the Giants week that was, our things that we found interesting and concerning, and Doug, we're bringing it back, the Bullpen Trust Power Rankings for the month of April. Finally, so many people have been asking us for Bullpen Trust Power Rankings. I cannot count, I get stopped by strangers on the street, and it's about time we bring it back. Will it inspire or is it too dire? You'll just have to listen. I know this happened last week, but it's still carrying over into this week. So I got to ask, Doug, have you ever been to Mexico? When I was a kid, I went to Acapulco with my parents. That kind of counts, I think, because it's like the Disneyland version of Mexico. And did you you get the runs or anything from that? No, uh, (laughs) not that I remember. Uh, saw some cliff divers. Yeah. Oh, oh! Did you think those people were dying? And then no, they're going into the water. <laughs> I, you know, we went there to see them, so I was like, I guess they know what they're doing, but that's very high to jump into the ocean. <laughs> I'm just imagining you having a zookeeper, zookeeper. Those monkeys are killing each other. <laughs> moment. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the giants are still sick, uh, but they did go four and two this week, and uh, it was. I don't know, not like inspiring or setting the world on fire, but it, isn't it nice to have your faith in numbers affirmed, Doug? I, you know, I've talked about it on the podcast the last couple of weeks. I wrote an article about it a little while ago where I was like, you know, they, I think they're they're fine. I know they had a bad start, and, but I, they have a good chance of being better. And after you do that, you just kind of hold your breath like, oh, don't make me look stupid. Don't make me look stupid. Please, please don't make me look stupid. And they didn't make me look stupid. That's what I want. They played two uh, pretty good teams. I, I mean, the Astros are without uh, Jose Altuve, which is and Michael Brantley. God, could you imagine if Michael Brantley had been playing in that series? That would have been annoying. But uh, or Altuve for that matter. <laughs> Hard guys to strike out. But you know, the Giants winning those two games and then taking two out of three against the Brewers. Although I would say that Sunday's game was pretty non-competitive, which was a little bit of a bummer. You know, the Brewers. In my series preview, this is me. I asked you a question that I wanted to answer just as much, which is like, it is nice to have your faith in numbers rewarded. Was looking at the difference the Brewers were 18 and 13 heading into the series. And it didn't, like, looking at it, it's like, ah, they don't look five games better than the Giants. And at one point, they were, they were on a um, four-game losing streak heading into the series. So at one point, they were 18 and nine. And you just look at it, and it's like, it's middle of the pack pitching middle of the pack hitting their defense is actually really fantastic and the giants but like everything that they did well played right into the giants hands it's like oh they they give up fly balls well guess what the giants are the best at converting fly like hitting fly balls as home runs uh the the giants are great ground ball pitchers guess what the brewers are great ground ball hitters so that's you know it just seemed like 
a series where it's like, oh, the Giants should hang in there. And, and they, even if we are not sure what kind of a team this is, I guess I get the sense of like, ah, they're like a, they're like a 500 team and they should be 500 right now. And we should be wondering if they're going to become magic and like catch fire, right. To be more than 500. And right now I'm just waiting for them to catch fire to get to 500. So that's the disappointment I feel like this season. (laughs) Uh, And then there I'm so glad our format uh, doesn't allow us to sometimes catch on those minor stories of the week, but you know, the Mauricio Dubon story, it happened. There was a little kerfluffle (laughs) with Mauricio Dubon and uh, we're not going to talk about it because it's over now, but you know, he, he said some things which were maybe slightly misconstrued, but probably definitely more driven by emotion. And uh, and everyone has had their say, and the Giants won the series, so it's all good. <laughs> and uh, Mauricio Dubon's been awful since he made those comments, which is yes. always the funniest part when people really miss him. And then I'm like, okay, but do you remember watching him play? There, there were a lot of bad parts to that. Yeah. He's like, oh, he doesn't strike out a lot. Yeah, but he's hitting singles. He's not like walking or anything. <laughs> like he's not he's not doing the things you would call uh like a well-rounded great baseball player. What he is doing or what he has done is filled in as a capable player for Jose Altuve, which is great. That's that's a a lot of teams don't get that when their primary guy, especially a guy like Altuve, is out is not playing. So, can we talk about a guy who's fantastic, Doug? I really don't think he gets enough credit. Alex Cobb. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. his his shutout game, I was in the middle uh, against the Cardinals. I was kind of mostly listening and then watching a little bit. But his start against the Brewers, I actually watched. And it was fun to watch it on mute just because I had other things going on. And just watching and looking over, I'm like, up, oh, there's a power sinker. Up, oh, there, there's a splitter. Power sinker, splitter. Power sinker, power sinker, splitter. And he's just... The fact that he can call his own games, you know, I mean, he's just going. It's like watching a guy who's playing MLB the show and and he's just doing it all himself. But Alex Cobb, I think it was Joey Bart a couple of weeks ago, said he is maybe the most underrated pitcher in baseball. I remember distinctly quote tweeting it with being like, it's true and more people should be saying it. But it really is true <laughs> and more people should be saying it. He's a top 10 pitcher in baseball for sure. Yeah, it's weird to think that if he was still on the Rays, people would be talking about how great he is. But in the Giants media market, people just don't care. Right. Um, <laughs> because, you know, Alex, Alex Cobb came up with the Rays and he was sort of a product of their, their of one of their older versions of their, of their different than the Giants, but still somewhat similar in philosophy, churn through players development uh, system. You know, the Giants, of course, just pick and pick up and discard guys constantly. The Rays have guys for like three or four years and then they trade them and get more. And so, you know, that's where he came from. He wandered around a little bit before he came to the giants. He was good last year. He's been great this year. And, you know, that sinker has been fantastic. Even, you know, the Mexico city series, he gave up, I think three runs and in five innings in the, in that game, in the game he pitched there, giving up three runs in, in five innings in that stadium. I mean, that's incredibly impressive. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, so it's, it's seven innings, no runs, three innings, five run, three three runs and five innings uh, in Mexico City, and then a nine inning shutout. Those are his last three starts. You really can't ask for more than that from a starter. And just to be clear, if anyone's looking at fan graphs, he's in the top twenty for baseball, but he is in he is uh, by wins above replacement for fan graphs. He's number seven in the National League. I obviously the Mexico City series uh, got in the way there, but 
he does everything that uh, a ground ball pitcher. He is the modern ground ball pitcher that I think if nothing else, the um, what's the name of the, the, the warehouse that guys go to to fix their pitches, the lab, what's the name? driveline <laughs> driveline. If there's nothing else, it seems like driveline has made sinkers. Uh, they've optimized the sinker as much as they've optimized the four seamer. And we should give them tremendous credit because Growing up, Doug, remember sinker ball pitchers? There was a certain mystique to them. I remember very much like Derek Lowe getting uh, three days rest and and then being like, well, it's good when a sinker baller is tired, right? right. And it's even easier for him to throw a sinker. But now that's like when the guy's throwing like around 90, 92, he gets a lot of movement. But now driveline, it's like 95 with movement. And Alex Cobb with the same exact delivery, delivery is throwing a pitch in the same spot. And I'm talking about a sinker and I'm talking about a splitter. And they're doing two different things. And he's throwing it with such confidence that it's like, oh, this is the ace. And just think, Doug, he's teaching. He and Logan Webb are great friends. Like they're very close with each other and they talk a lot. So he's sharing this knowledge with Logan Webb. It's an interesting uh, dynamic that the two have. And and the overlap is going to be fun to see how it improves. Logan Webb. That's where I was going with that. But yeah, anything else you want to say about Alex Cobb before we get into our interesting concerning? I may or may not have written an article over the offseason where I said the Giants should trade him. And I encourage you not to look for that. But we both talked about that because we (laughs) looked at he has a $9 million option for next year, $2 million buyout. We don't know where the Giants are going to be at at the trade deadline or July or whatever. But Alex Cobb is such a valuable player (laughs) that it, it seems almost silly that if they're not in a position of competing and and I'll get into this in a little bit later. And if the, the market is showing that nobody's really caring about the giants, it kind of, there's a, there's an argument that could be made, but for now, let's just enjoy it. I, I don't think you yeah, have to be. No, exactly. He's, I'm, I'm supporting. He's, you. he's very fun. He's very fun to watch right now. He's one. He's probably the, he's been the best pitcher on the team so far this year. Zero complaints, five stars. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Interesting and concerning. Let's get into that Doug what was something that interested you about the Giants this week uh I'm interested in the fact that Joey Bart is very good now Mm. um you know his I think we've touched on his defense a little bit or maybe I meant to touch on his defense and then I forgot to in one of the previous (laughs) segments I don't remember which one it is um but his defense has been good all year it's it's been you've noticed the improvement in it um in Houston the, the the first win in that series when he had to go make three mound visits to Camilo Duvall within one at bat so Duvall wouldn't get the automatic ball four and walk whoever the hitter was. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really heads up, and it, it was exactly what you want the catcher to do, like taking command of the situation. Uh, and then the next day, he only had to make one mound, emergency mound visit to Duvall <laughs> when he got the save. So you can already see the improvement there in Camilo Duvall. But he's also been hitting. He's been he's been hitting very well lately. He uh, I think over 
so far in May, he's hitting uh, 300 with a couple doubles. I mean, it's only 14 plate appearances, but that's still that's still a solid you know week of uh, solid four days of of hitting. Um, and he's he's looked really good. He's you know I think there's gonna be a lot of expectations on him because he was a number two pick overall that are are maybe not fair or not the right way to think about Joey Bart. If Joey Bart can do what he's doing now and be like a productive, solid major league catcher, I I think that's all you could really hope for. Not in a bad way. No, I I think that's a a really, he's been getting a lot of publicity. One thing I put in one of the series previews was watching him coming back from the IL to see how he would handle sort of the dual, hey, people are liking what you were doing before you got hurt, and now you're coming back from being injured. Let's see if there's not like a weird pressure on him. But the Duvall thing was such an impressive, okay, this guy is locked in. He's, you know what I mean? Like he's he's present in the moment. And I like to think that for athletes, that if you can be present in the moment, it actually improves your chances of performing well. So the the offense, I mean, right. The whole thing with Bart is like, can he stop striking out so much? Can he lower his strikeout yeah. rate, have more competitive at-bats? And, you know, the pressure of him hitting in the middle of the order, that to me seems like a secondary concern. Let's like first settle with the defense and then settle with the lineup. And it seems like it. Yeah, it seems like he's getting there. I guess I'm going to say the really obvious interesting. I think it was really interesting that Marco Luciano came back and looked looks pretty good. <laughs> he's finally <laughs> play, he's finally playing <laughs> and uh, and he, he didn't play on Sunday, but he's had 17 plate appearances in double A. 154 average, but a 353 on base percentage, 385 slugging. He did Homer. Um, just, it's just nice to have him in there as I've, I'll take the hit. I've already written him off <laughs> because of his injury history, but you know, it's nice to see that they've taken his time. They've taken their time with bringing him back, I should say. And, you know, hopefully that will cause him to take off. I I'm going to combine it with Casey Schmidt. That's my cheating. Because Casey Schmidt, Casey Schmidt's also still performing very well, so I'm finding it interesting that two of the spotlight prospects that we were like keep your eye on these two, that it seems to be working out. I still think Casey Schmidt's uh, pitch recognition or selection is maybe a little tricky, but it looks like his he's got eight walks against 28 strikeouts. It looks like though that that narrow that gap is narrowing. Doesn't seem to be hitting for too much power, even though it's AAA. But he's also moving around the infield, playing a lot. I guess what I'm saying is I'm interested because you touched on this last week, Doug, and it seems to be following up here. Alex Pavlovich in one of his standups before one of the games this past week said on NBC Sports Bay Area, like specifically the Giants are in a way kind of maybe thinking that one or both of these guys will help the major league team later in the season. And that's exactly in line with what you said is like the Giants are kind of built waiting for a couple of pieces to arrive, whether that's like, Aaron Judge or Carlos Correa, which is not happening, or Shohei Otani, which <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> but if they got Marco Luciano or if they got Casey Schmidt or both in there, then it really would supercharge uh, the lineup. It would make them seem very interesting. Uh, it would make them, yeah, more interesting. So there we go. And yeah, and I think another thing about uh, Casey Schmidt, and this is something uh, I talked about with Roger on the There Are Giants podcast this week. Go check that out if you want to. He has been playing mostly shortstop this year. He's uh, started as of the end of Saturday. Uh, he started 31 games. 20 of those he started at shortstop. 
So there are a couple warts in his offensive game that we've talked about. He doesn't quite have the power this year that he had last year. He's striking out a little more than you want. But those are a lot more forgivable if he's playing a solid shortstop, which uh, from what I've heard, he is. So, you know, just another kind of factor to consider when you look at uh, the season that Brandon Crawford's had, which um, he's injured right now, but has not been great overall. Uh, he's had a few good moments, but he's he's been showing his age. The Giants might well have another shortstop who's ready in the system who can come up and, and hit well enough for a major league shortstop, which is a very big deal. I know this isn't um, interesting, but and we're kind of expanding the segment here. We have a bullpen trust power ranking coming up here we need to get to. What have you thought about Tyro Estrada's defense at shortstop? I think it's it's mostly been fine. Um, yeah, I think they I think they really like wisely, and he the two of them seem to work well together up the middle. Yeah, no, because I think wisely at second and Estrada at short has been a really strong combination. Anything else that's interesting to you this week, Doug? Uh, just Anthony Scalfani con- continuing his really good season, pitched eight scoreless against the Astros. Um, didn't do it with any kind of regular. Like the the things you look for in a, in a pitcher, you're like, did he strike out a lot of guys? No, he struck out three and in eight innings. Did he get a lot of ground balls? No, didn't didn't get a lot of ground balls. He just went out there and threw strikes, didn't walk anyone, and had just a very strong start where he kept guys off balance. It was it was great to see. And then for me, I'm gonna say I mentioned Brett uh, Brett Wisely also, but Blake Sable and. I can see why they're still on the team, what the Giants see in them. And I think that the Giants are at a really good point in their competition window to be doing exactly what they're doing, which is like giving these guys a bit more playing time than you might expect. Part of that is some necessity, right? They don't really have a backup catcher situation solidified, but wisely there he's playing like not terribly when he's on the field Hitting wise, he's hit. He's been hitting the ball hard. We saw him hit a home run. He had an, uh, th- his first home run uh, the other day. He also had a nice solid double late in Sunday's game. So it's you can see the 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 thought process with these two guys. And I'm not saying that that means that the Giants are always right when it comes to these things. I mean, what Michael Reed? Uh, we could go we can do, go down the line of experiments that didn't quite quite uh come to uh fruition and so it's i think it's interesting that it's finally happening where and they're not being i don't know i guess wisely especially is really surprising me with his up the middle utility that's a hard position to to find a surprise in i think and uh and so it's nice to see that maybe at least for now that they're holding serve with what they have in those two guys yeah, I think right. that's been good to see. Brian, is there anything you found concerning? <laughs> I think it'd be, there's an obvious one I might leave for you, but I'm going to find that the the attendance continues to be concerning. I think it was 34,000 on Sunday, but I think it was like under 25,000 on Saturday. And, uh, you know, the Giants are, I know, not an exciting team. I know that a lot of people have moved out of the Bay Area recently, but the numbers I saw the other day on some post was like well the wealthy people have moved out of the bay area which means was <laughs> which means like the people that afford or are interested in buying giants tickets those are the ones who are have gone what are the giants going to do about that i think a big demographic shift in the region could be a big 
big, big problem for them. And um, I don't know. I just would expect that the Giants would have a little more sizzle. That's it. I don't know. I don't know what, unless Buster Posey being gone is that big of a deal, which it could be. So, um, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because we all remember, I mean, we all remember the sellout streak that lasted for years and years and years, and some of those were bad years. Mm-hmm. And they, they kept that going, I think, from the end of 2010 to like mid-2017, yeah. if I'm remembering right. Um, yep. Yeah, it was it. It was in the 20s. Yeah. yeah. And now they they can't they they can't get you know thirty thousand there on a Saturday night. And honestly, like if you look at how empty that ballpark was, the real number was probably twenty thousand. Um, yeah. And, and they was, can't sell out Mets series. Yeah, they can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say a concerning thing is all of the free agents. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love. Well, uh, hold on. Before you get into that, I love that they keep notice that they keep adding Jock Peterson in that to to try to balance it out. <laughs> anyway, yes. <yeah. laughs> um, they they all were bad this week. Michael Conforto was bad. Mitch Haniger was bad. Uh, Sean Manaya he got the win, but he was incredibly shaky looking. Ross Stripling was like passable in Houston and then bad against the Brewers against all odds. The one real free agent holding it down is Taylor Rogers right now. Um, and he's on a redemption arc even. He's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So they've, it's been hard to watch, you know, it's not that the bats are uncompetitive or you can point to anything they're doing wrong. It's just, they come up and you're like, well, here's another out. And then it's another out. So I, you know, Larry Bear wrote that article that whatever it was over the offseason. It was like, well, when fans see Conforto and Hanniger and Sean Manaya and Ross Stripling, they'll know what the plan is. Do we? Do we know what the plan is? Because I think that explains a lot about the attendance. I saw um, a couple of responses because uh, either Triple Zally on Twitter or Baseball Jeff, uh, who I really like, just keeping track of the numbers some fan responded like, well, of course, these guys were just supposed to be Manaya and Stripling were just supposed to be holdover guys until the minors get going. And I didn't even mention Kyle Harrison in my he's he's starting to get better at his strikeouts to walks, but they're still limiting his his inning. So when is he going to come up? But the idea that those two were were are effectively stop gaps until the Giants can get their shit together with the minors. It makes sense, but they're not being a stop gap. Right now. <laughs> it's not working. So. It's been tough for sure. The I think the Manaya fastball velocity thing is the most intriguing part. It's like how can how can he be so much better at one thing and terrible at literally everything else that's part of this game? It's tough. My next concerning thing is our next topic: the bullpen trust power rankings. Doug, going Woo-hoo! into <laughs> that's right. We're bringing it back again. Uh, going into my putting together the rundown, the bullpen accounted for, I believe, 0. 0.6, negative uh, 0.6 fan graphs wins above replacement. I don't think it got much better after Sunday's game. Uh, it has not been a steady group, the bull, the bullpen. I, I'm deeply concerned about the Giants bullpen. I don't know why, because it didn't feel like it going into the season that it was going to be one of those terrible things, but I I don't know. 
I mean, you you put the hex on John Brebbia right away when we did our predictions. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yes, it's held, it's, it's held firm. But anyway, so I wrote down. So we've got we're going to do our bullpen and trust power rankings. Doug, why don't you start it off? Who's your number nine? Uh, my number nine is he has been sent down to the minors, but we are not going to forget Sean Jelly, who <laughs> we all remember that there's a lot of hype over him in spring training, increased fastball velocity. He's looking great. He's really no, he's almost unpitchable at the major league level, and uh, it's it's tough to see. I mean, he's very tall. You can't teach that, but uh, right now it's not working. So I had him at my number eight because at my number nine, I have Cole Waits, who was just called up and took his place. And I yeah. and it's because of this. Cole Waits in the minor leagues before he before his call up was pitching. He had a 931 ERA and 9.2 innings pitched with 12 walks and 10 strikeouts. And he finally pitched for the first time in the major leagues this season on Sunday. And he gave up three hits in one inning and one strikeout. So I don't trust him and I've seen Sean Jelly get outs before. So that was what that was where I broke it down. But you're um, you're totally yeah. right. Whatever whatever confidence any of us might have had in Jelly that as as he started making more appearances throughout the season, it evaporated pretty quickly, right? Yeah, just almost almost instantaneously. Yeah. Um you know the, the mustache is fun, uh, especially with how tall he is, but it it just doesn't work. He and David VR will always have that great video they did together. Great report. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. All right. So our, our eight and nine are some combination of Colweights and Sean yeah, Jelly. That, exactly. That I, okay. So the reason, just real quickly before we move on to seven, the reason I had Colweights at number eight, if you look at his last, I think, five appearances in AAA, uh, he hadn't walked anyone. He, he'd he look better. So I was like, I don't know, maybe. You know, I, I know it doesn't work for Sean Jelly in the majors right now. Maybe. Maybe Cole waits it well. I don't think so. That's why he's so low. But I think it's it's at least more possible. I know he's like Farhan Zaidi's most trusted guy because he's like, I need one of my draft picks to finally break through. So <laughs> I think I read that he's the only Farhan Zaidi draft pick that's been called up in the in the almost five uh, years that he's been running the team. So yeah, I think yeah. there's some, yeah. yeah. All right. So who's your number seven? Uh, so number seven, it's it was a tough call here. But I think it has to be Jacob Judas. Oh, um, okay. He had a good, he had a good outing on Sunday, and so that's kind of why I was going back and forth between him and uh, who's going to end up being the guy who's going to be my number six. Who's but, your number six? Because um, I'm I'm gambling. See, so we I have the, the exact I have Beck at seven and Judas at six. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, according, I, I agree. According to Fangraphs, yeah. According to Fangraphs, Junis has been the worst pitcher on the Giants this year. Um, he's been just literally every every stat you look at other than than XFIP. His ERA is awful. His expected ERA is awful. His FIP is awful. He's just been really bad. He can give up a ton of homers. He's been walking a few too many guys. Uh, he's been getting strikeouts, but it doesn't make a huge difference when you're giving up that many runs. So he looked better on Sunday. Um, I'm going to make him continue to look better on across multiple outings before I move him up. But he's, he's just not had it this year the way he did. I'm going 
I'm going to agree with you because I, I was not a big Jacob Junis guy last season, and I was a little bit surprised that they tendered him a contract. So I'm going to go with you. And so I will agree. So we're in a total agreement on then our, our seven and six with Tristan Beck. Yeah. Tristan Beck, I like his stuff. Um, I also think he's been just kind of left out there to eat up innings for them when the game seems in, well in hand. Nine innings pitched, nine strikeouts, three walks. I like that. Um, 13 hits, uh, two home runs. Don't like that. 525 FIP. But yeah, I mean, certainly better than Junis. So that's an easy call. But again, we're six in and I don't like any of these guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's, we're, we're not quite at a guy who has, any real, who has any real use. Like who yeah. you'd be like, yeah, it's, it's the eighth inning of a close game. Let's put it. No, none of them. Yeah. Not one of them. So I think these next five, these are the people that you have to start think that you have no choice. But these are the only guys. Yeah, left these are the guys you think you have of. to trust. Yep. So I'm going to guess, is your number five the same as my number five, John Brebbia? No, actually, I ah. have uh, Brebbia a little higher than that. Oh, okay. Um, Who's your number five? My number five is Scott Alexander. Oh! Um, he we're, So see, disagreement is what makes this segment work. Um, Scott Alexander started out really strong this year. Oh, so strong. Um, and, then, and then he faded hard. Like, it was... It was tough to watch him for a while. Um, and again, you know, one of those games was in Mexico City. You don't want to overrate the effects of that. But um, that was coming off a really bad outing against the Cardinals. And a couple outings before was a bad outing against the Mets. And so you kind of combine all of that. And it's he's gotten a lot worse. So his last couple outings have been fine. He... Uh, he pitched a third of an inning against the Astros and struck out his only batter, which is great. Um, and he, he pitched in the second game in Mexico City, too, and he had a scoreless inning. You know, you look at him and it, it's not quite the same as it was last year. And it's pretty obviously not the same as it was last year. And he's just, I mean, you know, sometimes pitchers get old. Sometimes pitchers have bad stretches. I don't want to say like, He's, you know, he's different from the first four guys we talked about. And then I'm not going to be like, no, don't put him in. Like, I understand why you would put him in. I don't necessarily think it's always the wrong move to put him in, in a, in a close game. Um, but it's also, I'm a, I'm still pretty wary of him after that really rough stretch he had over about a week. His sinker is still minus four in run value on StatCast. It's like one of the better sinkers in baseball. I completely agree with all your expected stats. I have a very specific reason why I flip-flopped Rebia and Alexander, but who is your number four? Uh, Brebia. Oh, yeah. so Brebia looked like he was dying the other day when they had to go. Get <laughs> yes. him. So yeah. I'm like, uh Oh, is this it? Is he, is he going to be down for injury? And is what his fastball, you pointed this out on Twitter. His fastball was like down three miles an hour or something like that. Yeah, so, because he started the season really strong. Yeah. Yeah. His, his fastball, when he was able to throw a strike with it, was 91 on uh, on Saturday. Like the, the average at that point during the season was around 95. It was, I think it was 94.7. And I was like, oh, that is that is really worrying. He can't throw a strike. He has to take it down that far. That's in, in yeah. today's major league game, right? A 91 mile an hour fastball, unless it's a, unless it's got a huge sink on it. That thing's going to get walloped. 
So Scott Alexander, I'm used to him getting injured all the time. You know, <laughs> that's kind of his deal. And John Brebbia, it's like, this could be the end of his useful life. I think he's 32 or something like that. And then Scott Alexander's old too. But, you know, I, again, these seem like not almost interchangeable in terms of the trust level where we're uh, one, two, four, six, six spots in. And it's like, I don't know about any of these guys. It's tough. Yeah. So who's your number three? Uh, in, in a shocking upset, considering the first couple of weeks of the season, my number three is Taylor Rogers. Mine too. Yeah. He's really um, turned it around. He has absolutely turned it around. Like I haven't forgotten. <laughs> uh, but he's, you know, over the last two or three weeks, ever since he's, I think mostly abandoned the cutter. Um, I haven't checked in on it lately, but he, he's just been a different pitcher. He's been a much better pitcher. He's been the guy that the Giants went out and signed, uh, you know, over the offseason. And he's worth watching again. So I think a big part of it was that he had this weapon. He got really excited about it. And he should not have been excited about it because that cutter (laughs) did not work. Uh, I also think a part of it is that they're limiting his exposure right now or they're they're not necessarily putting him in higher leverage spots, which, you know, is probably in a way damning with faint praise. But uh, I don't sit there and go, okay, this is a guy that they're absolutely relying on. Over the last two weeks, he's not allowed an earned run. His FIP has been 316, in, but only in five innings. So it's at 0.1 yeah. more. But he's, I mean, he's remarkably, noticeably different. He's finding the strike zone yes. for one thing. Yeah, so he's been he's been good yeah. there. Yeah, he was also my number three. So can I just guess what our one and two are then, or two and one? Yeah, it's got to be Tyler Rogers yeah. and Camilo Duvall. Number one Duvall. Yeah, it, it I, is I, Tyler Rogers and number one Camilo Duvall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tyler Rogers has you know, I, I trust Tyler Rogers a lot, but it the I still think like the gulf between. Tyler Rogers and Taylor Rogers is a lot smaller than the gulf between Camilo Duvall and Tyler Rogers. Uh, I don't know how much ahead I, you put Camilo Duvall versus the rest of the pack, but I still think he's the most trustworthy reliever by a pretty decent remark or mark. Um, yeah, he is. I mean, when at the beginning of the season, he, he wasn't his first three or four outings were pretty rough. Um, and I don't know if that's the the pitch clock, which he's still having some trouble with, uh, but if it was getting to his head more or if it just hang over from the World Baseball Classic where he pitched for, you know, for a week or two uh, before his team got knocked out. But he, um, like, if you're, I remember the, the first game of the season was that Yankees game. He looked awful in that game. He had no business getting a save. He should have blown that save. Um, and it just kind of mostly through the luck of balls finding gloves, he got it, he got it done. But um, ever since that first week of the the season ended, he's been really strong. He's been looking great again. He's had a hiccup here and there, but overall, you know, he's he's exactly what you want. So, kudos. <laughs> and Tyler Rogers has looked like the best version that he, you know, the best that Tyler Rogers can look. And I think it's nice that it, last year he was able to regain that form, but I don't recall it being a, a, a smooth uh, takeoff. For him last season, I think he struggled the first couple of months and had to kind of find himself and get it back together again. Is that correct? Do you remember? I can't. Yeah, it seems about yeah, right. Yeah, Tyler okay. Rogers had a pretty yeah. rough time. Yeah, 
for a while last year. Um, I mean, certain things with Rodgers, uh, certain things with Rodgers, his FIPS 371, his ERA is 2. That's very concerning. His home runs per nine has shot way up. Again, juice ball bullshit. You know, the strikeouts are up. The walks are a little bit down. That's good. And with Duvall, we're basically looking at a pretty close version of the guy that we got last year. Pretty close. And and I yeah. I think I the shakiness with the pitch clock is definitely where it's easy to say Duvall is not necessarily one of the elite relievers in the game right now, but he's close. I, th- I think he's sort of disqualified himself for the moment because Bart had to bail him out. Like that was a very clear thing yeah. that was going on. And it was exactly what you said. It happened in the first game too. It's just, um, it's a little shakiness there. I'm not quite sure. Okay. So I think we're in pretty much a- agreement. Doval Rogers, Taylor Rogers. And then I go, Scott Alexander, John Brebbia, you go, John Brebbia, Scott Alexander. And then I and then we're in agreement the rest of the way. I, I'll I'll concede. Tristan Beck, Jacob Junis, Sean Jelly, and or uh, Cole Waits and Sean Jelly. So there we go. Sounds good. Yeah, and and again, the difference between Waits and Jelly in this list it is it is very small. It's literally Jelly has already failed, and I think Waits will fail, but it hasn't <laughs> happened that many times yet. Yeah. So. <laughs> We're just waiting. <laughs> Thank you for not including Matt, Be- Matt Beatty, Sean Mania, or Ross Stripling, which you could have done, but that was a good call. So yeah. not to do it. Just yeah. too cute. And obviously when Luis Gonzalez comes back, he would have made the list if he had. Oh, hundred percent. He'd yeah, be yeah. probably number six. <laughs> Doug, what are you writing about over on your sub stack this week? Do you think? So I have an idea about writing about the free agents that the giants didn't sign. Uh, for example, Carlos Radon, who's going to be out till July, it looks like, and how that's, you know, it's nice that Farhan's able to avoid that, but that's not enough to build a team. Farhan's idea is probably one of the best risk managers we've ever seen, which would make him a tremendous asset for like Lloyd's of London and other mass market insurance carriers and reinsurers. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah that's great. I think I might try to figure out if balls are traveling a little bit farther at Oracle park this year, knowing that I'm terrible at math, but I'm just going to look at some fly ball data and see if there's anything that jumps out because uh, maybe one or two of those home runs that were hit yesterday by the brewers wouldn't have been home runs last year. That was my feeling. So yeah, it's possible. A couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, one of our listeners, Drew Bader, one of his students, they had a fire, they lost everything and we spotlighted their GoFundMe gofundme.com forward slash f forward slash my dash family dash start dash over and uh as of may 5th they're seven thousand or so short of their goal of twenty five thousand, but they're getting there so i'm just putting it out there for everyone to listen and uh don't forget we're a part of fans first sports network check them out on social media fans first sn at uh at fans first sn on twitter and on YouTube, I know they're starting to get that going as well. Doug, how's your uh, weight training going? Getting camera ready? Great. I've gained like 10 pounds over the last week. How about you? <laughs> Likewise. Yeah. Follow at Giants Croncast on Twitter for sure. Check out Doug's blog, giantsdoug.substack.com. I'm writing at McCoveyChronicles.com. And until next week, go Giants! Go Giants!